0: The Lifestylist, episode 47, featuring Richard Enyon. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. This is your host, Luke Story, coming at you from Hollywood, California, bringing you another transmission of The Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is my friend, Rich Enyon, and this is part one of a two-part episode where we sit down and have an ancient tea ceremony And talk all things universal truth. So more than an interview, this is really a conversation between two dudes and you get to be a fly on the wall. And I think we cover some pretty interesting territory. It's quite a fantastic uh, talk, I must say. I really enjoyed actually listening back to it to take notes. I learned a lot from Rich, and I think we had a really good rapport going, so I trust that you're going to enjoy it. So as I said, we sit down for a tea ceremony, which was relatively new to me. It's called pu'er tea. And this particular ceremony and this type of tea, known as a show tea, has a very rich and long history. And so Rich explains its origins and how he's integrated that into his life. And then some of the other things we discuss are the similarities between wine culture and tea culture, why the caffeine in tea is less harsh than coffee and learning to listen to your body and avoiding fad diets the intelligence of plants and how to use them as medicine and then how Rich transformed himself from an overweight kid in a small UK village into this super ripped martial arts expert and health and wellness coach and how the low-fat diet craze almost killed him how he used a paleo diet and chinese medicine to rid himself of a cancerous tumor pretty incredible story and then we talk about the myths around the paleo diet and how you might have to actually adapt some of the common conceptions or misconceptions around that eating style how to live a healthy life without being paranoid and fanatical something i really needed to hear because i tend to uh, be on the side of paranoia myself sometimes and then the miraculous benefits of vipassana meditation and how silent spiritual retreats can often bring up your dark shadow side the dangers of spiritual bypass on the road to enlightenment how to find value in spiritual lessons and how karma influences our lives Building self-awareness around how we use sex and <clears throat> masturbation to avoid fo- facing our problems. How to avoid judging yourself when you make mistakes. And more than anything, we really talk about at the end, the importance of self-forgiveness and forgiveness of others. So I really look forward to bringing you this episode. I'm glad you're here. Don't forget to catch part two this Friday with Rich Enion. And I'd love to make a request of you, if you wouldn't mind. If you've come back to the show and you're listening over and over again, you've probably heard this before, but if you're new, listen up. The way podcasts work is, in terms of their influence and success and their popularity on iTunes, is all based on iTunes ratings and reviews. So if you dig what I'm doing, if you could go into iTunes and leave me a rating, a five-star one, obviously, and a review, I would be most grateful. If you don't know how to do that, I made it super simple for you. You can go to lukestory.com forward slash how to iTunes review. And there's a tutorial landing page there that makes it so easy for you. So thank you so much for listening. And again, I'll see you on Friday for part two with Rich. This is Luke signing out. One of my favorite ways to optimize my own personal performance and do things like running a podcast is to use technology to mimic the power of nature. And the human charger is one of the best ways to do that. The human charger is like having sun in your pocket. It's a small device that's got these earbuds you put in your ears and it shoots a very specific frequency of white light into your brain. When that light hits your brain, it tells your brain that you're getting noon sun. And when that happens, your brain starts to produce chemicals like serotonin, dopamine, and noradrenaline. Those are the things that give you a good mood, energy levels, mental alertness, et cetera. This device also works excellent for jet lag because essentially it tricks your brain into thinking you haven't changed time zones, which is really what happens for jet lag. And that's been a huge problem for me. So bright light therapy like this has been used since the 1980s. And it's been mostly administered through the eyes. Well, now you can do it through your ears and it only takes 12 minutes a day. So it's a really cool piece of biohacking technology. I use it all the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. If you want to check it out, you can go back to episode 28 where I talk all about jet lag and this device specifically. Or just go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke and you can read all about it. Now, don't play yourself though. Once you get over there, you want to use the code story20 to save 20% off your orders. So go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke and use the code story 20. A massive part of my health strategy is the ingestion on a regular basis of medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And my primary source for those is a company called Four Sigmatic. If you remember way back in the day in episode eight, I had a guest by the name of Taro Isacapula from this company. And we talked all about the power of these amazing herbs and mushrooms. Well, Four Sigmatic do a great job of making them not only potent, but also convenient and delicious. So they make these little packets of herbs that you add to hot water, cold water, or bulletproof coffee, whatever your recipe is. I make them with all kinds of different stuff all the time. It makes a really easy way to get this stuff into your body. And these are herbs that have a real effect on you. It's very powerful stuff. So go to foursigmatic.com, but wait, I'm going to hook it up. When you get to foursigmatic.com, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout to save 15% off your order. So you can get things like reishi mushrooms, chaga mushrooms, cordyceps, lion's mane, Ashwagandha, all the good stuff that really works. So go to forsigmatic.com, enter the code the and save 15% off your order. Rich Enion is a certified personal trainer and motivational lifestyle expert based in the UK and the United States. He's been traveling the world for six years, filming, researching, and interviewing world experts for his web show, richeats.tv. richeats.tv has since grown into workshops, motivational talks, and a book he's co-authoring called F-Dieting, which he's using to share his passion about freeing people from the dieting trap by connecting them to their body's own innate wisdom. As a former obese teen and cancer survivor, Rich is a powerful living example of personal transformation and brings that body of knowledge to the show today in this two-part interview. Welcome to The Lifestylist, Rich. Thank you, Luke. Very
1: kind of you to have me on.
0: Yeah, this is cool. So we're sitting here, you guys, having a tea ceremony, and right now I'm watching Rich. I just clicked record, and watching Rich make this fantastic looking tea setup we're having an actual ceremony and this is the beginning of the show we're going to kick it off with some tea so explain to the listener what exactly you're
1: doing here man well i'm just currently breaking up a little bit of the tea which is the leaves that come in a a compressed cake and the tea is it's a shopware from 2008 this one is that means it's, it's a fancy tea. It's a lovely fancy tea, like a yeah. show
0: dog. It's a show tea. Yeah. And that, okay. Okay. Cool. This
1: is going to be a fun one. Uh, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's it's from aged trees, so the the trees are at least like a hundred years old. Can you imagine that these beautiful trees growing on the mountains in China, uh, from the region Pu'er, and then 2008, the leaves were were plucked from the tree and processed in a very specific way uh, to bring out this lovely, lovely tea we're about to drink.
0: Oh, I'm excited, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's actually, it's actually cool because I'm sort of thirsty right now too. So it's like, mm, I can't wait to have that. So this tea business, it's funny, you know, I've done one tea ceremony and I think it was a similar kind of, you know, fancy tea, but it's something I know nothing about. Mm. Does this have, does your interest in this have anything to do with the fact that you are clearly British? (laughs) <laughs> mm,
1: kind of maybe I mean, did, did you
0: grow up having that what do you guys have that like twillings tea what's that tea you Ooh. guys like that really cheap you know
1: like drugstore yeah. tea that everyone drinks in the UK well said drugstore tea yeah, yeah. so twining Twining's. twinings I, I think, okay yeah. yeah 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 there isn't a link there is not a link to twining's in this uh this Clearly. web page or whatever this but goes. did you
0: grow up like having your mom like make you tea and was that part of your culture or not so much
1: you know i, I did drink some tea uh and i remember specifically at my nana's house and my great aunt's house um we would have like a very milky tea so it was it was like like, people call it black tea but it's not it's actually red tea um in a tea bag it's powdered uh the hot water goes on the sugar goes in and then the milk's just poured all over and it's just this for me, just milky nonsense. Some yeah. people like it. Yeah, uh, I like the ritual of it. I enjoy that, and I enjoy that it's kind of you know people sit down, you have a cuppa together, and and I guess perhaps that's that's why I've taken to it. Like this, the ritual of having a cup of tea together. That's, I never really thought about that actually. Yeah, that's perhaps the... It's the first thing that comes to mind for me because I was fascinated
0: when I first started traveling to the UK and I found like, God, everywhere you go, everyone's like, want a cup of tea? Want a cup of tea? I'm like, God, they're obsessed. Like, you don't go to America and everyone's like, hey, want a coffee? Want a coffee? Want a coffee? (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, this tea is like a whole thing here, yeah. Okay, so we've got this special tea from this special region and the way you describe it is like almost like a wine, you know, it's got a year and a region, just like, you know, you'd have a a Chianti from a certain region in Italy or something like that. So tell us a little bit more about what's what's about to go down here.
1: So exactly as you say, it's very similar to the way wine works. And and again, I don't profess to be like the expert in tea. I just love it and geeked out on this stuff, like really geeked out. I just want to give a little shout out to uh, Global Tea Hut um, uh, and Wuda, who educated me a lot on this stuff, and also uh, Living Teas, if that's okay, in the US. Oh, uh, for sure, yeah,
0: we'll put it in the show notes. Actually, you know, I think the ceremony I did was from Living Teas. Ah, there you go. It was, uh, you know, like a little hippie party in Topanga Canyon in LA, and uh, yeah, I remember that name.
1: Yeah, good, good people, cool, very good tea. So, um... Yeah, it, it's from a certain region and this this is puer, it's a show puer, which means it was, I don't like to use this word, but it's the word that's used, artificially fermented in that the leaves were plucked, um, plucked sounds like we have taking a chicken and <laughs> the leaves were, were, were slowly taken from the, the tree, left to dry piled um, and then we say artificially fermented because a batch of the leaves from a previous fermentation are added to the leaves. Oh, like as a starter culture? Exactly.
0: Oh, interesting. That's what I do with my uh, raw goat kefir. I have these little kefir grains and I save them for literally years now. Yeah. And each time I make a new bottle, then I put a little bit of the grains in it, you know, it starts the new little family of fermentation.
1: Yeah. Cool. Just like that. It's just similarities across, right? Interesting. Um, Yeah, and that just helps, that speeds up the fermentation process. Um, and that that's specific to show puers. Sheng puers are left on their own to ferment uh, naturally. Um, and then they do some other things. They let it dry, press it into a cake. And I didn't
0: even know tea was fermented. That's interesting.
1: Fascinating, right?
0: Yeah. And it's funny. I don't think a lot of people really consider where tea comes from. I always think of it as like, I don't know, like a, a tea plant or something. I think of like hemp or something like mm. that. Like, I don't think of a tree growing tea leaves that it's actually from a tree and you're like oh they take they pluck it from the tree so yeah actually comes from a tree is that
1: where like your standard black tea what we call black tea would come from yes i know so like in in the plantations when they have like huge farms they often look like bushes so in the mind it can kind of look like a, know, a hemp plant or you know taking the leaves from these small shrubs okay yeah um but when you leave a tea tree to grow on its own and it's natural environment they can grow into and do grow into massive huge trees with trunks and they'll grow for hundreds if not thousands of years and
0: oh that's interesting how
1: cool like literally that i'm not i i think at least two two and a half thousand years old is the oldest tree i it could even be three thousand i'm not sure but it's i'd be quite happy and safe saying it's two and a half thousand years old like these oldest trees
0: wow and is this the same kind of tree then that would produce tea tree oil? <laughs> is that, uh, or Do you even know? I don't know. I don't. I, That's don't, funny. I think so, but
1: I don't know. Is, is the truth?
0: Because there's some, you know, obvious spiritual or medicinal kind of quality to this tea that we're about to drink, and that the, there's like this subculture. I think of pu'er tea mm. experts and stuff now because I'm starting to hear a lot about it. But I'm I'm wondering if that specific tree is. Um, inherently medicinal and if that's where they get that oil which is almost like a turpentine you know like tea tree oil it's a very powerful substance so yeah i wonder if there's a correlation we will find out
1: we will we will so i just i just served it i've uh cleaned the leaves which basically i just poured a little bit of boiling water on it and and rinsed them um and then that was thrown away into a cup that will feed to a plant later uh, it's kind of like cannibalism, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed the plant to the plant. Yeah, And it's so steamy. I wish you guys could see this right now. Well, yeah. he's putting it on video, so that'll end up somewhere maybe. But it's like hot as hell water. And you know what's really cool that I, I noticed about that? That's the way that I make my tea water or coffee water is with a glass kettle. Yeah. And I just want to mention to people uh, that don't realize this when you're... It might have something to do with like in tea for the taste, you know, I'm sure. But for me... I learned long ago that most metals that like a tea kettle would be made out of are inferior and they're amalgam metals, meaning they have nickel and all sorts of really toxic heavy metals that get leached into the water when you boil it, not to mention plastics. Like here in this room, this morning I used one of those little coffee makers that's Made with aluminum and nickel and really bad metals and plastic, which is probably BPA. And that's how I heated up the water for my coffee.
1: And you passed out instantly afterwards. Yeah, because I was just,
0: <laughs> you know, I was just desperate. But you got to think about what you're boiling your water in, man, because... Is it going to hurt you to have it once? No, but if you have coffee or tea every single day with some, I'm just going to use your words, some shite cookware, yeah, you know, it really, it really, you got to think about, man, that water. And it's such an easy change. You can get one of these glass teapots on Amazon. I think they're like $12, yeah. and they're just all glass. They're a bit fragile and, takes a little getting used to because you can't bang them around they get quite hot mm. you can kind of burn your hand but I love that you know our water is pure and I see that you've used spring water of course yes
1: yeah, Castle Rock today actually.
0: Castle Rock which yeah. comes in glass so it's yeah. all part of the process it,
1: it's a thing it's quite a big thing and then it, and it's like looking as well to the next step of what happens to you know the kettles made of plastic or the plastic bottle that the water came in that that plastic ends up in the oceans or, or somewhere else there's like this whole line of, of effect. But yeah, I I had a porcelain kettle, but traveling in in the last two years, I've been to Argentina, to Colombia, here, California, Florida, a couple of times to England, doing like research and writing and interviewing. So I I broke my ceramic kettle. I did have a ceramic one.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I just took a drink. When I'm looking down in this, be- by the way, really beautiful pottery, too. It's mm. kind of part of the whole aesthetic experience. But I made a- that, by the way. You did? No, yeah. Really? Are you I serious? Did, Yeah, I made all these. No way, <laughs> yeah. dude. Uh, you're you're a renaissance man, bro. I can't wait to find out more about you. But as I look into this, it literally looks like coffee. I yeah. mean, it's s- such a rich pigment.
1: Yeah. These it's tannins a- or whatever. What's going on there? It's a deep, dark beverage, this one. Wow. Yeah. So show pu'er is generally drank after eating, like perhaps after an evening meal or after uh, lunch even.
0: I wish this was. I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll be flying after this. I one. had a piece of salmon like three hours ago between interviews, and I'm like, okay,
1: so carry on. Yeah, you're, you're going to feel this then, I think. Okay, so on the opposite side of this, which is a darker, more likely to be drank after dinner, is like the green teas and the lighter and the oolongs, which are energetically uplifting, like a, a green tea or a, perhaps a, an unroasted oolong in in the morning to to wake up um and i say like uplifting i, I mean both from the the stimulation side of it but also tea was a, initially a medicine before it became this commodity in this uh, before Twinings before yeah <laughs> the, the, it, it, what is it twinings twinings, twinings okay yeah. good i gotta get that right i can never remember that word yeah twinings i remember drinking that actually when i was poor oh, about 10 years ago i had, had this peach flavored twinings and immediately afterwards i got a headache this is before i knew anything about tea or, or this stuff that we we're into um, and i was like i got a headache i don't know why that is the next day the same thing and i, I was like oh it happens after I drink the peach twining's tea. I stopped drinking the peach twining's tea, didn't get a headache again after that. So I instantly, just from feeling it, and that's part of the, and we'll probably get into this in a minute, it's part of the, the information in the book that I, we, we give is really getting into the feeling of things and tuning in. It's like, we eat something. Do my eyes feel heavy? Do, they, do, do I get a headache? Do, does my skin change? Is, is there some sort of subtle change in the body that's giving a signal about maybe don't eat that thing or don't drink that thing?
0: yeah um well i'll tell you what my body's telling me right now having had a few sips of this is it's going yes yes yes." (laughs) this is freaking delicious dude it has yeah it 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 has such a complex flavor i'm like i'm hopefully i'm torturing the listener here and you're like gonna start craving tea but it's got a very woody kind of undertone to it i mean it really is a complex flavor it's so good I'm trying to I'm trying to like nail what that flavor is. It's I know what it is. It's is kind it? of like a buckwheat. Mm. Almost like a buckwheat flavor. You know yeah. what I'm saying?
1: I I had some buckwheat cookies the other day and they were unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but I do know what you mean. It's really, really, really good. Yeah. This is the interesting thing. Like what, what we do is as humans, we like to go, what is that like? Is it like? yeah, instead of just
0: letting it be, yeah, that's the mind. Yeah, that's the that's the monkey mind. Is like it has to label and categorize everything. It's like I it can't just be a tea. It has to be like this other thing. I mean, people get ridiculous with wine and stuff, right? And even coffee and chocolate and you know those those substances that we all eat and drink, they'll you know have like a twenty five word description to explain the nuances of a flavor instead of just allowing it to be. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. It's it's a powerful energy here in this
1: cup. It's very cool. The beauty. yeah. Um, And the thing with it being fermented it means it's going to be less a stimulant. So there's still going to be a little bit of caffeine in this um, because that's in the leaf, uh, but because it's been fermented or even roasted teas when it's roasted it it burns off some of the caffeine.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and is it not true and I don't don't know if you know the answer to this, but that uh, tea tends to, like if you have a green tea it has caffeine, but there's different sort of strains or molecules of caffeine and that tea has a kind of a different balance of those caffeine molecules than coffee, whereas like coffee has just whatever it is, the one strain of caffeine and it's it's kind of imbalanced so that you don't, you know, you get more jacked up from coffee. In other words, even though tea could have technically more caffeine. Have it, you, are you, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the facts, but I've just heard some things like that.
1: So I haven't actually heard about the different types of caffeine molecule, but I, that sounds fascinating. But what I have heard and you know a little bit about is uh, the other things within the leaf. So you, we have, like in a coffee bean, there's, there is caffeine. Uh, in the tea leaf, there is caffeine. But in, in the tea leaf, there's also tianine. Right. L theanine, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a balance. They can kind of have like an opposite effect or a, a complementary effect in that the caffeine will perhaps push, be like the go, 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 go. And the, the theanine or tianine will be the harming the more the the slowing down one so it has a yin and yang relationship
0: going on yeah isn't that interesting the way nature designs things it's like the infinite wisdom cool let's put this tree here and human some knucklehead human's going to figure out to take these leaves first they're going to have to figure out how to make fire yeah and then they're going to (laughs) have to come up with some kind of a container that can you know you can burn without it lighting on fire put water in there take these leaves put them in and we'll have this perfect balance that has you know an amazing effect of stimulating but at the same time you know putting a cap on that stimulation with the theanine it's so interesting how that yeah. works It's
1: really fascinating like who
0: was the first knucklehead that was like hey that tree looks cool let's boil those things i mean i just find that fascinating i mean think about ayahuasca like The process of putting all those different things together, boiling it up and drinking it. Like, who figured that out? You know, it's like humans get these weird divine downloads of inspiration and they just try something. And the next thing, you know, here we are, you know, however many thousands of years later having a cup of this.
1: Yeah. Isn't that mad? It's cool. The first cup was drank literally thousands and thousands of years ago. Mad something else that popped up for me oh, okay yeah just like we were doing then like with the, what does it taste like what does it taste like and then we're into the and because it is fascinating it's really interesting and it can be really useful to know these things like what does the caffeine do which caffeine is it what does the tea do is the caffeine the same in coffee or is it different in tea and we love it and it like some of the speakers today so we're at longevity now 2016 and i love this conference um really really great speakers and good people um, and we're here and there's like these speakers giving this complex information and I can kind of see and you can feel the room. I don't know if you, you notice this. The room's like, ah, uh, what? How? And and I, I think uh, as a speaker, I've, I've done many, many, many talks and I, I, I think, okay, this is great information, but th- there's so much, so much. And they're going so deep into these things. And it's like these people just, they probably just benefit from just, you know, organic, wild and some of the more basic stuff but I guess it's also a varied audience so there's going to be people picking up on different Well that's we, we saw Wim Hof speak
0: last night right and yeah. was it, wasn't that his message when he did the Q&A at the end people are like okay so what's the molecular <laughs> reaction of the DNA as it hits the cold ice water and is that related to the ancient Ayurvedic breathing technique of pranayama and he was just like shut up keep it simple breathe motherfucker you know <laughs> like get in the ice it's just like and it sounds you
1: know. like it sounds like Luke's exaggerating that but he literally pretty much said, "Shut up, just breathe." He yeah. was like yeah. caveman style. Listen, was-
0: you know, listen to nature. But you know, I, I I like a balance because I am an intuitive, feeling type person, mm. and I just follow my heart. You know, if my heart says eat bacon yeah i'm gonna do it regardless of what my head says if my heart says you know what don't eat bacon for a while go on a green juice fast for a month i'm gonna do that it's whatever it is you know but i also am fascinated by what makes things tick and i think i just have one of those kind of brains that i like the why of something too not just the what it's like well huh what makes this so magical energetic this tea you know and on that note you know, you use the term living teas, right? Mm. So what about the kind of esoteric intelligence or personality of the plant? Isn't that kind of part of this tea culture? Why there's a ceremony and it's like, hey, I want a cup of tea? Yeah, and you just chug it down and run out the door. There really is like a stillness and a presence involved in this process.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, tea was a medicine before it became this just random beverage to chug down. And there's many different ways of looking at it as a medicine. Uh, thinking about like a thousand-year-old tree on a mountain and thinking it's, or 2,000, or even a 100 years old. Like the wisdom in it, imagine a thousand-year-old person that was living healthy and well. They're a thousand years old, they're well, they've been on the planet, they've been drinking the the rain water, they've been, a snake came past it, shed its skin, a bird did a poo on it, it took that in or, or didn't. And all that life and that life force and that energy goes into this living thing and it's alive. And when a a human goes to it and takes the leaves, there's there's an exchange there. There's life in the leaves. And, you know, in in Chinese medicine, in Eastern culture, you know the word like qi, they call it the qi energy of it. That's the thing with the ceremony is to sit and be still and to feel it and see, see if you feel it. See if you feel the qi. See if you feel your own qi moving as you're there. And... And many people will say, okay, tea is beautiful. Tea is really amazingly for an adaptogen. Uh, We'll do things within the body that the body needs, but it doesn't necessarily have to be tea. Uh, If we can sit still and just feel a little bit and feel the people around us and and with us as well, that's like a a beautiful process of it. Uh, Yeah, so
0: it's almost like the ceremony in a sense is a vehicle by which to just do something with some intention and some presence, right? Yeah. It's like, cool, we sit down, we're recording a podcast, but when you bring the tea ceremony into it, there's an element for us to kind of fo- focus on and something for us to do together. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I interviewed um someone earlier today and then he was talking about how we've sort of lost over time, you know, from hunter gatherer peoples to now, we've in many cultures lost that family connection, you mm-hmm. know, from not having meals together and not having these sort of rituals and ceremonies. In our lives and in our modern life today, it's like, yeah, you just like cup of tea. Why am I going to sit down and take time? It's like, I'm going to take it into go cup, put it in my car, zip through traffic, get somewhere, chug the tea on the way. So I, I really like things that kind of encourage us to sit down and be present and have something to do with
1: someone too, right? Yeah, rather than going for a beer or to a pub or to some environment that I'm not particularly fond of. Yeah, you want to come for a tea? Like <laughs> yeah. Wednesday night, me and my buddies in Venice, we're going to sit for probably three or four hours, chat and drink tea. That's awesome. Uh, literally, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you
0: are going to find a different sort of level of consciousness in that environment than you would in a bar. Not that there's anything wrong with going out to a bar and yeah. chasing girls and listening to a band and getting wasted, whatever. I mean, that's part of life too for some people. It sounds like maybe you know it's something you're you know not interested in at this point. I'm definitely not. But I still want to be able to do something. Yeah. You know, it's like, you want to get together with people? Well, what are we going to do? Sit around and just sit there? You yeah, so It's like it's cool to have some kind of, um, I guess, a unifying activity or a unifying sort of ceremony that you can get together. And that, that's cool. So I'm, I'm interested in this. You have to invite me to one of your, um, one of your tea parties. That's yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. That's have you awesome. seen the latest movie? No. Uh-uh. I saw it on the fly over here from Bogota. It's just genius uh, through the looking glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, just thought sort not of throw that in. It's oh, a, cool, cool. Because they have a tea party in it. And, oh, cool. Uh, and time is invited or not invited. Uh, if you've seen it, you'll know what I mean. But otherwise, like that movie's pretty strong.
0: So speaking of uh, Bogota, and I know you spent a lot of time down there. Let's um, let's travel back a little bit mm. and talk about how you kind of came into doing what you're doing. Because I know you travel, you do retreats, you do personal training, you do these ceremonies. Like You have a lot going on in different places in the world. So
1: where are you from in the UK, anyway, originally? I'm from a little village called Newton Solney. Is it
0: anywhere near Manchester? Oh,
1: it, d- it depends what near means. Because okay, so.
0: okay. <laughs> I, I have a good friend from Manchester and he has a, he has a decidedly uh, different accent from like my Londoner friends. Yep. So it's like, I thought for a second I detected a little bit of that Manchester accent, but it's it's not as pr- pronounced as his. So that's why I was
1: wondering. That's good, actually. You could you could decipher that as, yeah, he's not from London. He's not from Manchester. He's probably not quite as north as Manchester. It's yeah. pretty much bang in the middle. Okay, okay. And, and the, it's a little village There's there's probably more cows than people in that. What's village. the nearest city? Uh, Derby. Oh, okay. Yeah, Derby, and on the other side is Birmingham.
0: Oh, okay. I've been there. Yeah. I've been to Birmingham. You've been to Birmingham. Yeah. yeah. So this is,
1: England is such a fascinating place.
0: Birmingham, for those listening, I mean, that's the birthplace of Black Sabbath, so it just deserves kudos yeah. from there. But when you hear Ozzy talk, he has he has he doesn't have a London accent. No, he doesn't sound like Mick Jagger. You know what I mean? He has his own. little uh, accent going on there. So I find that interesting, you know. I think to a lot of people when you hear a British accent, it's just it's just all a British accent. But it very much is like in the United States, someone from Alabama is gonna have a different accent than someone from Rhode Island, than someone from Kansas, than someone from LA, dude. You know, so it's it's interesting on that island. Um, we call the uk or you know england at least that part of it there are these different accents so anyway so
1: it is an island just on that yeah so so my village is here you drive 20 minutes across to a place like called warsaw or just past warsaw a little bit further towards birmingham and their accent changes to this and they speak like this and it's (laughs) unbelievable because it's only 20 minutes that's interesting But, but it's so strong the difference it's unbelievable 20 minutes away that's interesting like what what's the change is it like the the water is it the i don't know what i've always i've tripped on that too like i for me
0: the biggest difference is like the accent between say new jersey or even new york or staten island and then boston yeah you know again to like the casual onlooker it could sound the same but if you spend some time with either of them then you really hear the difference but it's like what's the difference it's like a couple hours apart or something you know it's really weird yeah Yeah, so i trip on that too but anyway yeah point being is um so now you're kind of
1: this world traveler vagabond gypsy and the word gypsy keeps coming up so often just lately and until this year i was thinking oh my god i'm a bit of a gypsy (laughs) yeah
0: yeah which i which i think is fascinating because i i'm such a like i'm kind of a homebody you know i've lived in hollywood 27 years and like now I kind of would like to move somewhere a little bit you know more remote, and it's, it's terrifying to me, because I'm so accustomed to my, my lifestyle and my routine. So when I look at someone who's very mobile like you are, I'm, mm. it's just so fascinating to me. But so you're a kid that grows up in what you call a village in yeah. rural England. How did you get into all of the health stuff and, and fitness and all these things that, that you're now doing? Like when did you bail from there and just kind of like go and start seeing the world?
1: Few layers on that one, so I I was quite an obese kid, really. Although I hid it well, you guys
0: can't see him right now, but this dude's we'd say in in UK parlance, he's well fit, yeah, (laughs) dude's like ripped. (laughs) I mean, you can look at his YouTube videos and stuff, he's like, you know, he's ladies, you'd probably enjoy this if
1: it was on video. I have a beautiful girlfriend,
0: yes, he does, he does, (laughs) fantastic.
1: Um, so at sort of 15, I was a 38 waist, um holy crap is a 38 the same you know
0: yeah i know what that means that's huge i mean no offense to a guy that's a 38 but at 15 years old that's big
1: yeah it it is and 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 you're
0: i would say more of an ectomorph it's not like you're a rotund kind of you know naturally shaped person so Mm. that is definitely a lot of weight yeah
1: and I, i was embarrassed by by it like i wouldn't show it on the outside uh I started playing drums when i was 12 and really got into that so i was kind of like sat at the back uh, got my thing i was playing drums i felt good i loved that practiced hard still play today was um, you ever
0: playing like rock and roll bands yeah and stuff? oh okay cool yeah.
1: so i didn't you
0: mentioned you were a drummer i didn't know if you like play bongos and do tribal music or if you're like a proper uh, like you know jamming to zeppelin songs or whatever you know so oh,
1: you're, you know kit and uh, yeah. done quite a few recording sessions many gigs just oh cool okay love it. Uh, Maybe we'll have
0: the opportunity to jam someday. I'm a bass player.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, funny. Yeah, right. I did, I did
0: uh, bands for about 15 years, you know, and eventually just, I like playing music. I just don't like playing in a band. Okay. You know? <laughs> what, the politics of it and the organization? Just, just or? the pain in the ass of it. Yeah. You know, they always say like, playing in a band's great. The only problem is you have to be around musicians. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, going on tour sounds really fun until you're in a freaking van with five other
1: dudes, you know? And then it's like, hmm,
0: really? I didn't sign up for this.
1: But anyway, carry yeah. on. Um so yeah I mean I was doing my thing but inside deeply insecure I didn't didn't feel comfortable didn't feel particularly comfortable when I was speaking to girls and and it was a thing for me so I started reading the magazines and started going to the gym and like I was like okay at that time it was fat free was the the whole the whole health thing so I was like okay I, fat is the enemy just kind of avoided fat and started running well once I got to the point where I was able to run for like a longer distance um, which was after like many hours in the gym on the bike and like doing little bits of of lifting weights, I started to run and then I ran more and more and more and more, and by the time I was seventeen or eighteen, I was running five or six times a week for three to five miles, something like that, which you know by many standards isn 't that much, but for a 17 year old boy who's just at that time just i need to need to not be fat. And he and he's, he's thinking, I need to, I want to feel better. I want to f- not feel insecure. I want to feel good. I want my, this is just not, I need to do something. Um, but through that became quite malnourished. I got quite skinny at sort of a turning point at, at sort of 17 to 18. Um, and going back to do my A-levels, people didn't really recognize me. Like the teachers didn't recognize me that much. I just literally shed a massive amount of weight. And then I was like, hang on a minute, I don't, I, I'm skinny. I got to a 32 waist in that time. Um pretty much got a, had a six pack for whatever that whatever that's worth but wasn't particularly healthy at all uh, and then started looking more looking deeper and it's like okay okay fat isn't necessarily that bad fat's actually quite good fat is kind of critical um and just got healthier and healthier then got into personal training because I'd learned so much through that and then went over to Thailand at I don't know how old I was then maybe 25 26 yeah and trained mu thai like six, up to six hours a day training muay thai for about six weeks wow yeah wow it it was like some of the best days like wake up seven o'clock train for two and a half hours eat take a nap train again take a nap train sleep just
0: so that's that's quite a a movement discipline then to build in i mean and definitely something that's different from just going in a gym and pumping iron you know, however many reps and however much weight, you know, it's like definitely like a very movement centric
1: kind of um, discipline, right? Yes. A lot, yeah. a lot of flexibility, doing a fair bit of yoga, stretching, a lot of massage. Yeah. Well, like, that's the that's the greatest <coughs> yeah. thing
0: in Thailand. You go get a Thai massage in LA, it's like $85 maybe for 90 minutes. You go to yeah. Thailand, it's like 20 bucks, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. We were there all the time. It was,
1: it was good. Yeah. <laughs> and so... so yeah so but within all this so within this process it, it became quite a thing like it, it was it was a, a bit of a thing in my mind and uh later on i actually actually developed a tumor in my left shoulder and and had a malignant tumor removed you can see the scar there there's like a yeah you got a bit of a crater there yeah, yeah. wow the beast and it was like a little kind of grape thing protruding from the surface the girlfriend at the time she was like what's that i was like hmm, i don't know I have no idea what that is, but I should perhaps go to the doctors and see because it looks like a lump on my shoulder. So I went to my doctor and I said, uh, "I said, okay, I have this thing. I want you to have a little look and uh, and let me know what you think." So he uh, he asked me a few questions, uh, did like a physical examination, just feeling me all over, put some gloves on, stuck his finger in my bum, had a feel around there. That's always fun. Yeah, good day. And, uh, did you have to pay extra was, <laughs> that, was that included in the flat fee <laughs> yeah. it's actually free in the uk <laughs> at the minute <laughs> and uh and he goes and, the, and i remember it vividly he goes well i don't know i don't know part of me thinks you should go for a biopsy and part of me thinks just leave it and knowing what i know now having done so much more research and writing the book and all this travel is like what he said at that moment wasn't particularly that huge because now I know that if I found anything like that I wouldn't necessarily go to my normal GP I would go to a, an alternative health specialist that would be my personal decision but yeah so I just said okay well if you, you're not sure I'm definitely gonna have a biopsy and check this out so it turned out to be a malignant tumor had three operations and they, they dug out all the crap and it hadn't spread any further so I was good very very good so that, that was a big a big learning thing of when the doctor said to me I'm not sure And it turned out to be something perhaps more serious. Uh, So, okay. So the magazines and the the media weren't, they were wrong because they were saying fat free, fat free, fat free. The doctor didn't quite know what was in my shoulder. Yet that turned out to be something more serious than he thought. I got to really like take responsibility for this because the outside people either don't know or don't have my best interest. And then from going more and more deeper into paleo, then out of paleo, like relaxing a lot, learning about Chinese medicine, um, I feel like I've come to a very happy, balanced place with it now. And I feel like really good about sharing like the information through tea. Like, tea I use as kind of uh, my own personal practice, um, but also as a metaphor to do talks and to share messages with people. About connecting with the tree, about connecting with the nature, and and with people in that.
0: So it's like your conversation starter slash Trojan horse. Exactly. It's like cool. Here's something for us to focus on. Where while the real message is delivered of oh, yeah. healing and fitness, and you know the ability to be a sovereign person that takes charge of your own biology, right? Yeah. Because I I've experienced the same thing. You go to a doctor and they're just like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Take this drug. It's like, uh, that's all you got, you know, and nothing yeah. against doctors. I mean, thank God, you know, if I break my leg, please, somebody put a cast on it. But yes, in terms of learning about health, you're not going to learn about health from your average allopathic Western doctor, you know, mm. they're not going to ask you, what have you been eating? How's your digestion? You know, let's look at your gut bacteria. Let's do your labs. How are you on magnesium, vitamin D? And you have to go to a totally different kind of functional medicine doctor to get that information, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's cool. So then, um, well, you look healthy, you know, it seems like you got energy, you got very clear eyes, like you got something going on. So I'm assuming at a certain point, you started to learn and experiment on yourself. You've done these kind of extreme diets and stuff. And then now you're helping people kind of discover that for themselves, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. The book that I've co-authored with Jefferson de Peron, who is Ryan Seacrest's personal trainer, is called Bite Me Dieting. It was called Fuck Dieting, uh, which I personally still love. Don't tell me the publishing company was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were other voices within it and, and other ideas sure. that said, you know, this is perhaps not the, the best title. And I know that this is the best title, but we'll go with this. Okay. So that is from personal experience of being extreme in many ways, like extreme in the exercise, the fat-free, the, and then also being extreme paleo. That so when it.
0: you were extreme paleo, what were you eating? I mean, were you just like, cool, 100% meat and fat or... Were you, I, what, what do you think was imbalanced about your
1: approach to paleo? My thinking. That is the key thing that was imbalanced, is my thinking. Thinking that if I only eat meat and some vegetables, I'm going to be fine. And some people can think that way. I mean, you know, you, know, you heard these people that smoke 20 cigarettes a day, and they live to 100, and, and they're having a great life. Um, but for whatever, for me, it didn't, really, it didn't work. I was just too, like, breakfast, chicken breast, lunch, salmon steaks, dinner, uh, grass-fed beef. Like, all the highest quality. Um, but it, it it just didn't work. And if you think about that, it's like whenever would we have ever been able to eat chicken, fish, and then beef in the same day, even in the same week? That's an interesting approach.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people that are on the outskirts of paleo and just dabbling in that concept um, don't think about what paleolithic a person yeah. <laughs> would have actually had access to. There would have been nuts, there would have been seeds, there would have been plants, there would have been fungi, yeah. there would have been insects, there would have been organ meats. Yeah. Right? You definitely wouldn't have three filet mignon per day. No. Probably, right? So yeah. it's like or like you said, you know, six different animals and the rarefied cuts of each animal and all that. So it's it's interesting to look at it that way. Yeah. You know, it's like I avoid diet debates and things like that. And I love the name of your book and I want to go more into that. But it's like a every person is totally unique, right? We're all yes. a snowflake and what you eat every day maybe not wouldn't work for me and the next guy and you know, we all have our own kind of needs and approach, but I generally think that what got us to the point where we are in terms of our evolution it's probably pretty close to what we should continue to be eating if we can
1: find a clean source of it, you know. Yeah, and so plus some of the it's kind of hard to get our heads around a little bit for some people. Plus some of the some of the superfoods because we're not living in the same environment, right? And I used to when I was in my dogmatic pale, it was like, no, but they wouldn't have eaten that. They wouldn't have eaten that. It's like, well, yeah, they weren't fucking living next to a power station or a pylon or uh, driving. Two hours a day to work. Dude, I love that. That's what I always,
0: because I, you know, I'm really big on smart drugs and I take all kinds of herbs and supplements and stuff too. But as much as I'm into following nature, Mm. I also do take things that are totally synthetic. Like I love paracetam, aniracetam, modafinil. I mean, all kinds of things that are totally synthetic and don't have anything to do with a natural plant, (laughs) even as a basis. And people always be like, well, that's not natural. You know, why don't you just. Be paleo then, and you know eat what your ancestors ate, and it's like, dude, it's already too late for that. My Mm. grandparents were already eating, you know, almost factory farm food. I mean, I'm I'm three generations into not living naturally off the land. You know, the industrial revolution happened, and I'm a byproduct of that. So there's no way to go back and just be natural. Even if I went and lived in the middle of Alaska somewhere and you know, lived off bear liver or something. It's like, yeah, there's just- there's look that? <laughs> there's, there's no being naturally where we've gone too far. So to me, it's like, you kind of, you have, well, you don't have to do anything, but I think personally, at least my own story is, to be optimal, not necessarily that, uh, you know, I suggest everyone has to take smart drugs, but it's like, you know, I sleep in this hotel room and I'm getting- you know, 30 Wi-Fi signals blasted at me and then my cell phone's charging nearby and there's a clock radio and there's who knows what in the air conditioning system and the mold and this and that. I mean, we're just being inundated with things that never would have happened 15,000 years ago. So I can't eat what I would have eaten and been able to be, you know, to thrive 15,000 years ago either. You kind of do, I think, to be just really kick-ass and be optimal. You've got to hedge your bets a bit and throw in some of the superfoods and up level what might have been sufficient some time ago.
1: I 100% agree for my for myself. Yeah. And it's it's for people to experiment with it if they want to. It's like not to be overly paranoid about the environment, but there are crazy <laughs> the word crazy is so over the top and dramatic. There's just stuff in the environment that just wasn't there. It's just that's just the truth. Yeah. Not yeah. to mention
0: the Earth's magnetic field is almost gone. Right. Because we're in the middle of a polar shift, right? Or about to approach one. So it's mm. like, actually, the magnetic field on the planet is dead. And that's one of the most crucial things for our biology in order to thrive. It just so happens that we're alive at a time when that transition is happening and the poles are reversing. Mm. And so. It's just, you know, even if you ground, right? I mean, I was interviewing someone the other day. Even if you're grounded and you're out touching, you know, your bare feet to a stone, you're like, oh, great, I'm grounding. It's like you're not even really grounding because there's no magnetic field there anymore. Yeah. And, and it's rapidly declining. So it's just like, you know. It, it's change. Even, yeah, even if you throw everything, you know, in the kitchen sink at your body and, you know, and use everything you can in terms of your toolkit of wellness... Still, you're not going to beat nature, you know. So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting, interesting. So, what have you found in your many travels to these different countries and experimenting with um, adaptogenic herbs and superfoods? Like, what did you end up putting in your book, and what's working for you in terms of you know a diet? A red. I don't want to even use the word diet because I like that you didn't. But what kind of food are you eating? What kind of supplements? You know, what are some things that you feel enthusiastic about?
1: Well, it, something you said a minute ago which is a really beautiful way of saying it is is like very poetic we're, we're all a, a snowflake and if you've got someone who's preaching a diet to you whether it's a nutritionist I don't know if that's the right maybe your nutritionist probably does know a little bit about you I'm hoping but if you've got some guy that's writing a book or preaching to you from a stage saying you have to eat this you need to do this don't eat this then there, there are questions to be asked about their, the, the things they're saying to you because we are so unique and that person doesn't know who you are so in the book we hopefully and we aim to take people on a journey connecting into the body and outside of the body as well to the feelings, the, the messages that the body's giving, like skin, it does does your skin change after eating a certain food? Do we, like if I eat too much chocolate, like really really fucking good chocolate, I might get a couple of spots. Like I have one here probably because of the, the weekend I've been eating quite a lot of cacao and that's my body saying, easy, okay, you've had enough uh, of the best cacao on the planet, steady. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: we will now take a brief intermission for the next three days and bring you back part two of the Rich Enion interview this coming Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're getting a lot of value out of this episode. I personally really enjoyed sitting down for this talk. It was a lot of fun. Rich is a fascinating guy and we just have so much in common. It was great to really sit down and kind of pick his brain and shoot some ideas back and forth. So if you enjoyed this episode, come back and more than anything, why don't you just share this with a friend and invite them into the Lifestylist Podcast world. It would really mean a lot to me and of course to our guests to help get this message out into the world. So screen grab this, share it, forward the emails if you get those, whatever you got to do to help get this out into the world would be greatly appreciated appreciate it. See you next time.